What up, John Schuler? Brandon Gore. John Schuler from you, man. How's it going? Good, man. Why do you say my name? I said, "What's up, John Schuler?" You go, Brandon Gore. What's that about? Because you said, "What's up, John Schuler?" <laughs> okay, what? we'll start over again. You ready? <laughs> what, am I, what am I missing? We're gonna do it live. Start over. <laughs> We're doing it live. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm ready. Hello, John Schuler. How are you doing today? Hey, Brandon. I'm doing well. It's good to hear. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Do you know what I'm talking killing about? Killing Do you know what I'm referring to? No, I don't even know what Dude, you're talking about. Bill O'Reilly, yeah. when he has a total freak out on Fox News, he was being recorded. He's like, F- it, start it over. We'll do it live. He just keeps yelling. And then he's like, that's it for me, Bill O'Reilly. I'm going to, you know, send it yeah, back to yeah. you. And then he's All like, good. Yeah, yeah. and then he like, when it's clear, he's like, he's this. ripping he, his, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> ripping his shirt and everything. I do remember that. Yeah, that oh, was hilarious. This is the best. So we just, we just had our, we just had our Bill O'Reilly moment. Yeah. So totally how are you cool. doing? It's a good week, huh? It's been a good week. It has been a good week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I it's mean, it's always a good week, but we're, we're going through the normal uh, COVID pains with Kodiak with raw materials and the juggling act that again is and again, yeah. sourcing raw materials. It's a never ending story of things being delayed because of COVID, but we're working through it. We're making, we're making progress. So, well, I wouldn't necessarily say the sourcing, the issue is still like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, man. I mean, yeah, exactly. Freight and, you know, the containers, if it's, if it's coming in by boat, if it's being, I don't know. I think the last stuff, as you very well know, I think, you know, I don't know, someone like put it in a backpack and they had to like hike from Texas or something. <laughs> I mean, this too shall pass. Like it's not going to last forever. These uh, crazy freight issues are going to go by the wayside at some point. Who knows when, but right. at some point. Well, and hopefully the costs come back down too. We've no, talked, it'll never come I mean, back many down. Many podcasts ago, but it'll yeah, never I don't come think back it will down. either. No. I mean, it's like airlines. After September 11th, they did this, hey guys, it's tough times. We're going to have to charge for drinks. We're going to have to charge for luggage. Everybody lost their minds when they were going to charge for luggage. We're going to have to charge for seat upgrades. We're going to have to blah, blah, remember blah. That. But it's yeah. temporary. It's temporary. It's only to get us by. We promise mm-hmm. it's temporary. Yeah, right, bro. Right. It, it st- stayed yeah. forever. And all this, all these companies, they had these big price increases because of quote unquote COVID, which is not, it's a cash grab. Yep. And now they're going to, you know, you get used to it. It never goes back down. They're just going to start, you know, putting no, more it becomes money in the, bank. the new normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you see the, you know, their profits at the end of the year have jumped up by 35%. 35, uh, 35,000%. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm not here to tell any company, you know, you're not in business to make money, but yeah, it's, uh, anyway, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. And it's going to continue to be crazy, but it certainly makes for frustrating times. Yeah. Big time. Speaking of freight issues, we just had a really good customer, Brandon Browning, have a pallet show up damaged, which happens. I mean, it's inevitable. Freight gets damaged in transit. It happens. It happens. It's happened to me. It just happened to Brandon Browning. Uh, It's happened to me for 20 years. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast, right? But the mistake Brandon Browning made and the mistake I have made in the past is I did not... Mistake? We've all made this mistake. Yeah, I did not note the damage on the bill of lading the driver gave me. Let me just tell you really quickly something that happened to me about, I don't know, a month ago. I'm very specific on when I schedule freight. I have a skid steer. I don't need to have a lift gate. So I told the freight 
carrier, no lift gate needed, right? No lift gate needed. I have a, I have a skid steer. I'll unload the truck. Got it. Driver shows up. I'm signing the bill of lading. It's on an iPad. He's like, oh yeah, just sign here. So I'm signing. And I see lift gate marked like X'd on, on the screen. And I said, hey dude, I specifically told him no lift gate needed. And as you know, I just unloaded my skid steer. You didn't use a lift gate. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just go in the system and unclick that. Take that off. Cool. Yeah, I'll take care of it. Yeah. I'll give you the discount. Buddy. I get my I get my yeah. invoice, you know, in the mail, whatever, a week or two later, paid, and seventy five dollar liftgate fee or one twenty five, whatever. I think it's seventy five. I can't remember, but anyways, liftgate fee. So I called, and they're like, "Well, you didn't list it on the bill of lading." I'm like, "I told the driver, and he says he's gonna take it off." Well, it's not on the bill of lading. You didn't list it, so there's nothing we can do. I'm like, "I got a photo," and I did. I have a photo of my skits here taking it off, which I always do. I can send it to you, but it's this whole battle. And so Brandon Browning got this pallet. Same thing. He told the driver, "Hey, this is not supposed to look like that." driver I'll, I'll mark it down for you yeah he gets in his truck and is like oh, screw that you know lesson learned and word to the wise whenever a pallet shows up or a crate or whatever if it's freight inspect it and don't let that driver leave I've had drivers Period. try to leave in the past no. when I when I did mark yeah. it I said no 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 bro you stay right there I'm counting this like if it's something that has you know whatever stuff stacked in my pallet I need to count I count the bags too when I drop them off because it has it has happened where pallets of materials been dropped to me, wrapped in shrink wrap, and it looks good, and you're missing a whole layer. But it's wrapped, yeah, just, yeah. and you're like, oh, Remember that no, happened it. to Joe Bates. It did. They just yeah. rewrapped it. A whole they layer is missing. the whole thing. Exactly. And the whole the whole center of the pallet was missing. <laughs> well, yeah. the, his, they, that was tricky. They restacked it to look like a full pallet, yeah. but the whole inside right. was hollow. Like, what? That's some, Jedi, on, that's that's some Jedi stuff right there. But you should always uh, do a visual inspection, count... If it's bags, count the bags, whatever it is. If it's a crate, pop it open, take a look inside for the driveway that it's not all busted up inside. But don't let the driver leave. He's not, he can't leave until you approve it and you sign off. And if there's any damage whatsoever or any suspected damage, write on the bill of lading. I'll say this crate that's is damaged. Exactly. Because that's the only way you're able to, you're able to uh, file a claim and get your money for the, for the damage. So anyways, we're going to do what we can to get the freight company. We'll, you know, hopefully split it with them or something to, to make... Brandon Browning hole on this, but people listening, yeah, bill of lading, mark damage, say it on there and, and take a photo of it. Get your copy. Let him take his copy. Take a photo. So you have, you, for some reason, you like lose that piece of paper. You still have a photo of it and you can send it to the freight carrier. Yeah. You can't do enough to protect yourself yeah, I mean, when it comes it, to this. And that's the thing. I, I think we'll all agree. You know, everybody wants to be a good guy. Like, oh no, you know, like when the driver told you, hey, I'll, I'll take care of it. Well, of course he'd take care of it. It's a no-brainer. He he knows for a fact I didn't use the lift gate. No, man. You know, uh, put it in their shoes. It might be their job on the line or whatever the case may be. He's not going to put that on there. Or maybe he forgot. You know, even trying to be as innocent as possible, he just forgot. But in this case, and if you see a picture of what showed up at Brandon Browning's, it looks like half the pallet fell off or something. It clearly got put back on. You know, bags were on their sides, upside down, a bunch of extra plastic. And I guess the sad state of affairs is if he had marked that on the bill of lading, which he did have to sign it with his name, but then mark the rest of it, he'd be in the clear. And without it, that's what the companies are going to lean on to go, hmm. We got your picture, but how do we know you didn't tear it apart and then rewrap it up to make it look like we did it? 
They're looking Seriously? for any reason. They're looking for yeah. the smallest opportunity to deny a claim. Correct. And that's yeah. the biggest one. It's like, oh, you didn't mark it. You signed for it. You didn't mark and it. And on the form, it says mm-hmm. everything's in good condition. You signed that. But I told right. the driver, well, the driver has amnesia. He doesn't remember any of that. And I have that lift gate. They called the driver and the driver didn't remember. And I'm like, huh, really? Okay. Yeah, of course he wouldn't. Well, yeah. I have a photo. So, you know, so there's that. And I still don't know. I never looked at my account to see if they ever credited me. I doubt they did because I just, you know, said whatever. Like, I'm not going to chase 75 bucks and waste days of my life on this. But market. You know, I told yeah, a story. Yeah, the principle. It's principle. But I told a story, I don't know, 15 podcasts back about FedEx Freight and how they try to deliver a sink where essentially the, the crate had fallen off a truck, at least what I think happened, fell off a truck, got run over by another truck. That truck backed back up over the crate. I mean, he's like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to leave it. He drives away. Another FedEx truck drives over. He backs over. He's like, well, I'll take it with me. He throws it in the back of his truck, tries to deliver it to the client. This concrete sink shows up laying face down on, in the you know metal bed of this truck with like one little piece of crate on it. And he's like, I'm not accepting that. So he declined it. They returned it to me. And yeah. then they tried to say, well, how do we know? And it was the, the one little piece of crate, by the way, was being held by a ratchet strap that said FedEx on it, like screen printed on it, right? How do we know? How do we know it wasn't like that when we picked it up? I was like, dude, there's a FedEx ratchet strap holding like a one square foot piece of crate on there. You think I have those in my shop? You think the driver would have taken, taken this? But it was the burden of proof. And they, dec- they denied my claim. And I had to remake that sink. I, you know, and that's happened to me numerous times. They look for the smallest opportunity Another one that was really funny is I shipped Yellow Freight. I'll never use Yellow Freight again for the rest of my life. I shipped a sink to a client, and I always include in uh, the packaging a a T25 star drive drill bit so they can open a crate because I use T25 screws to screw my crates shut. I use construction screws. I don't use drywall screws, Phillips head, any of that crap. I'm using star drive. So I include that bit because I don't want the crate to show up to the site and the general contractor or whoever's like, oh, dude, I got to go to Lowe's to get a drill bit. Like, no, it's in there. So you don't have to dick with it. I'm, I'm making it easy for you, right? Yellow Freight reclassified my shipment as tools and sent me an additional bill for like a thousand bucks because they said I mislabeled my shipment. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking yeah. about? They're like, oh, no, you, you had a drill bit. I'm like, yeah, bro. The crate's made of wood. Is it lumber? Are you going to reclassify my shipment as a lumber shipment? You know, there's metal banding. <laughs> Is it a steel shipment? Did I ship steel? No, I shipped a concrete sink. That drill bit's a 25 cent drill bit to open the crate as a courtesy to the client. That's not what I was shipping. They didn't spend $10,000 and pay, you know, $1,000 in freight for a drill bit, you idiot. For two bits. Yeah. So, no, no, do not reclassify it. But they they completely were like, no, you know, we have a photo. You sent a drill bit. I'm like, no, I shipped a concrete sink. There were screws holding that together. Did I ship screws? Like there was well, paper. Did been. I ship did, paper? Well, you know? How do we know you didn't just send a drill bit <laughs> with a crate attached? <laughs> yeah, because that makes good financial sense. So that was that was Yellow Freight. And I was like, never again, Yellow Freight. And anybody listening, cancel your Yellow Freight account. Those guys are the mafia. They're thieves. They're liars. Do not use Yellow Freight. And don't use FedEx Freight either. They're just as bad. And I go on record saying that. Okay, so enough of that. So there you go. Something I want to talk about real quick is sustainability. I had somebody hit me up today, and an architect for their project wants to know if we have uh, some kind of data sheet to discuss the sustainability of 
Kodiak Pro Maker Mix. I was like, no, I mean, we have the SDS on the site, but that's not what he's looking for. And there's really no industry standard for something like this. But I was like, let me explain something to you. Kodiak Pro Maker Mix is a UHPC. We're using several Poslins in the mix to replace a portion of Portland cement. So right there, we're going in the right direction, okay? We're reducing the, the cement load by using uh, Poslins. On top of that, by using a UHPC, which, by the way, is made in America, which is a big deal. It's not made in Mexico. It's not made in Canada. It's not made in Europe and shipped here. It's made in America. An American-made UHPC, you're able to cast much, much thinner, which is, you know, one of the benefits of, of high-performance mixes these days. So instead of casting a three-inch solid countertop, we're casting a one-inch or three-quarters of an inch. Well, you just save yourself 70% materials. So not only are we using less Portland cement with the high-performance poslins and other ingredients we have in our mix, but you're using way less mix. So as far as sustainability goes, if you're comparing Kodiak Pro Maker Mix to other concrete, we're extremely sustainable. But if you're comparing... UHPC to quartz, granite, uh, laminate, anything like that, we're far more sustainable. Are you serious? Gr yeah. You know, granite covered in epoxy from China or a quartz, which is essentially just plastic resin with some quartz dust mixed in, you know, and again, probably not made here, or uh, laminate, which is particle board with plastic glued to it with a high VOC glue. We are the most sustainable option. But, uh, you know, you have to have yeah, that conversation. That point, yeah. You have to have that conversation with the architects and explain to them. Well, that was going to be my question. I, this whole thing of, and this is something we've all dealt with for a long time. I remember I got in a conversation not long ago with somebody. You know, man, when all of us used to fight over who was getting the recycled glass. Mm -hmm. You know, the, I had a place down here in like Merced, California. And I, you know, drive to this recycling plant and pick up these super sacks of recycled glass and on one side and was there was vitrazo and ice stone were two big companies making slabs and it turns out you know all their money was coming from these uh, grants and stuff being done by the states <laughs> as soon as the grants ran out you know the companies weren't profitable so all of a sudden the materials you know the companies went defunct but where i was going with it is what is sustainable i mean with all of us in you know we're talking concrete here and the type of mixes we all use, again, it's an insanely subjective thing to say sustainable. What, so with the glass, when I went down there to pick up this technically recycled glass, what that material went through to be crushed, washed, you know, remove the labels and all that, you know, everything that went through the process, first of all, in creating the glass to second of all, where all this glass then got, you know, accumulated and sent to this plant, I, I would, I had a real tough time myself stomaching, looking at this super sack and going, Oh yeah, I'm really helping the environment when I'm standing right next to the plant and I'm looking at all the chemicals in the water. And I mean, everything that they were using to supposedly go through the process to recycle so that I could use this quote unquote sustainable material in my, I mean, it, I'm sorry, man, the dollars and cents didn't make any sense to me. And then calling it green, I know it would have been more green just to ended up, you know, let nature take its course with it and then go through the process of cleaning it. Yeah. Anyway, I have a buddy that he's now a rep for a really, really big salt surface company, one of the major ones in the world. He's one of their main guys, right? And before that, he had a company that he did countertops for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. 
we were talking one day and he was telling me about a new product line he's really excited about. It's like 90% post-consumer waste recycled content. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. So, so what, what's in this product? He's like, well, when we make this solid surface, it essentially goes to a machine and then it cools. But like 20% of them crack, right? So they crush it up and put it back in. And I'm like, okay. I was like, but you did that anyway. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we've always done that with, you know, the, the ones that yeah. broke, we just crush them, mix it back in. I'm like, but you're calling that or whatever it was, 30% post-recycle Yeah, they're content calling that post-consumer. He's like, yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's the product that you're making that just cracked in, in cooling and you're just grinding it up and putting right. it back in. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God. I mean, that, this is the greenwashing. And that was really big, like in the, what was it? The uh, early 2000s. I remember it was huge. Yeah. When the whole sustainable thing, the whole green thing was really Mm -hmm. going crazy and all these green, uh, building supply stores are opening up in Phoenix and, you know, all these different places. And, uh, but I'd go to Lowe's and the wood handled paintbrushes would have a green leaf on the label. Right. Which meant it was green. It was sustainable because they were made of wood, which is a natural product. Then the plastic handled, brush next to it had a green leaf on the label because they used plastic. They didn't chop down the forest. You know, they left the squirrels in the trees having a happy squirrel life, eating nuts. They use plastic. They're green. We're sustainable. Not those guys. Every product could spin a, a story to say they're green. And I, that's true yeah. for anything. But when I, I'm 100% honest, concrete, especially made in the USA, concrete is going to be the lowest embodied energy, the most natural product, no VOCs, no outgassing, no uh, hazardous chemicals in, in, the, uh, in the material, right? And if you use ICT sealer to seal it with, you know, John and I had this whole conversation in a previous podcast about what is food safe? Well, food safe subjective. People can just claim right. it's food safe. I could pour diesel fuel on my countertop and say, well, it's, it's food safe. Says who? Sure. Says me. Says me that diesel fuel right says there. Says you, can, yeah, because there's I no guideline to say that it isn't. Yeah, I mean, I got <laughs> yeah. I got six toes, but whatever, you know, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody can say food safe, uh, but if you use ICT, which is truly a food safe sealer, there's no v- yeah. no VOCs, not low VOCs, no VOCs. There's no hazardous no, chemicals it's in it. Completely green. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can prepare food safely on it and feel good about giving that to your kids that you're not going to give them cancer because you have xylene and whatever in your sealer that's leaching out into the air and into the food. So if you if you use Kodiak Promaker Mix and ICT, you really have a truly sustainable product compared to really anything else out there. Epoxy coated granite, laminate, corian, any of those other materials, you know, concrete with ICT is by far the most sustainable option in my opinion. And that's a true, honest viewpoint, not some no, that's a crap, true, yeah. you know, marketing spin for sustainability. No, in the history of, of ICT, which I think I've been doing this now, what, 22, 25 years, something like that. You know, the ceiling technology has been the number one being asked for with anybody with sensitivities, you know, in their house or their children, whatever the case may be is they usually end up making the phone calls around and ultimately, you know, they end up giving me a call and, and ICT ends up the number one because, yeah, there's no crazy stinky orders. There's, there's nothing in it to begin with that can cause the problems. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's something I'm pretty proud of, actually, that in all the years of working with this chemistry, um, I've held pretty fast to that for a variety of my own reasons when I certainly – 
and I talked about this before, I've certainly worked with companies doing other things and consulted from different avenues and, you know, whatever. I know the chemistry of that. I got no problem helping it. But for me personally, shutting that down for that reason, I I stayed stayed very steadfast to keeping everything as green and clean as I can. So while you were talking, I just ran the numbers. So, and again, I'm going to say technically, because we could spin all kinds of stuff too. Technically, uh, maker mix is 35% post-consumer. 35%. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if that's a big number or less. And again, we could spin that higher based on some of the materials, but we're running right at 35%. Oh, there you go. And that's legit. It's not broken. And that's legit. Maker yeah, mix. that's not me making it up because, <laughs> no, because I could literally, I, and I'm laughing because- as I pulled up the formulas, I'm looking at some of the sands and I'm like, well, you know, technically that sand is coming out of this sand. So it's actually in a whole different wash. So really we could call that, you know, we, we, we could call that as a recycled content. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The earth recycled it. Yeah. Well, it was a mountain and now it's sand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and the number one product pulled out of that time was not this. This technically was all waste product. So, you know, from that, now I could add another almost 27% that technically Let's just call 100% I could that recycled content. 100%. <laughs> the whole thing is recycled <laughs> content. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so that's sustainability. I want to hit that really quick. Next thing I want to hit is the Kodiak website, all right? John and I get calls, texts, emails every day from people like, hey, man, uh, where's the instructions for the mixed mixes for this mix? Right. Or, hey, I need to get an SDS. Or, you know, all myriad of questions. How, how, how much does a bag make? Like, how many cubic feet does a bag make? Everything is on the Kodiak Pro website. I promise you, we put it there. Go to KodiakPro.com, click on Maker Mix, and you'll scroll down. You'll see uh, Download Mix Recipes, and then you'll see Download SDS right there. Uh, if you scroll down further, we have the breakdown for um, the volume that it makes per per bag and all that kind of good stuff. We put everything on the website. And we have an FAQ, too, which has a lot of good information, which I don't think a lot of people know is on the website. But if you go to the website, click on the menu, click on the FAQ, all kinds of good stuff on there. Tons of good stuff. So please, please, please check out the Kodiak Pro website. We have everything listed to make your life easier. Your questions are answered. And uh, yeah, so there's that. Well, while you were talking, I actually just went... Did you crunch numbers again? Are we 120%? No, no, recycled? I actually oh. went to code. No, it's, again, I just, I just wanted to see, you know, what, what the steps and approach since we're talking about it. So I just hit KodiakPro.com. I just went to shop and under that opened up concrete materials. I went, there you go. Maker mix clicked on that. Uh, follow. There's the uh, talking about what maker mix is, um, bag counts, yields, and there you go. Download mix design here and download SDS here. Yeah, they're right there. Yeah, everything's on there. Uh, I, th- I think people just skim it really fast. They don't really see that because they just skim by. They're like looking for something else or looking for a different place for it, but it's on the pages. So there's that. The only one we don't have right now, which we will soon, is TBP because TBP currently is only an add on product. So it doesn't have its own page. Right. 
at some point here in the near future, we will start selling TVP by the pail and we'll ship it. I think John's going to handle that from his shop. Yeah, have it, have it available. Yeah, yeah. so well, we haven't gotten around to it, but we will here at some point. And then they'll have its own page and you'll be able to download the SDS there and all that kind of good stuff. Well, see, I'm actually, I don't go here often enough. You know, when, when you're behind the scenes doing everything, Brandon takes care of all this. I didn't know, so anybody listening, scan to the bottom of the page and there's the links to the tutorials yeah. on, you know, the, the blendings, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a whole lot of information. If you didn't download the instruction sheet, there are videos that walk through the entire discuss the, uh, instructions as well. Yep. So there you and go. we have that in a separate part of the website as well. You can click on the menu and click on tutorials. And we have video tutorials and you can see all the free tutorials. And then we have a couple of paid tutorials, but that's on there as well. So there's that. Speaking of awesome, uh, video, we, or I mixed up some SEC GFRC maker mix. I don't know, three or four days ago. And I live streamed it on Facebook. And if you go to the Facebook uh, Kodiak pro page, the main page for Kodiak pro on Facebook, you can see it. It's going to be there for 30 days. It auto deletes after 30 days. But you can watch, and I mix SEC GFRC from start to finish with the 10 minutes lake in the middle, the whole thing. And it is a perfect mix. I'm casting these chairs for a client right now, these uh, black modern Muskoka chairs. And every one I pull out of the form, I do one a day. Every one I pull out, perfect. No vibration coming out, just balls, titties, perfect. Perfect. Doesn't get any better. Nice. Yeah. So there's that. I'm not sure why, but when I went on Safari, it wouldn't play on Safari, so I had to go in through Google. And it, would, watch it, it wouldn't on mine either, yeah, I don't know but it works on my that. phone. So yeah. do me a favor. Go to Facebook on your iPhone or your iPad and watch it on there. Because, yeah, for some reason on Safari, it kept like stopping after three seconds and starting over again. I don't know. Some some glitch with Facebook. Right. But um, anyway. That's all right. I just went the other way and went in through Google, and then I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I really got a chuckle out of is during the 10 minute slake, how many, and I don't need you. So someday you're going to have to, I've never done it. So you're answering a bunch of questions during that period of time as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People are asking questions. People are asking you questions. Yeah. 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 Somebody kept asking cool. uh, rather than just 10 minutes of silence. <laughs> yeah. Or like nose breathing. I should just. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> For 10 go. minutes, I should have done that. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, somebody was asking. He's like, how do I explain ICT to my clients? I'm like, you don't, bro. You don't. You don't explain ICT to your clients. You show the clients a sealed sample. No. They prove the sealed sample, bada bing, bada boom. As long as it's performing, they don't care what it's sealed with. He's like, yeah, but how do I explain it? I'm like, I just told you how to explain it. So anyways, that was part of the uh, the 10 minutes. But Well, see, that's a back to the, because yes, that was one of them. And we did it for a little while. See, that, that would be another one when I would say, you know, get out of your own way. How much information... And you accuse me of this a lot in all the right reasons, because you're absolutely correct. I put out a lot of information that's a lot of sometimes too much information. And then that could confuse people. Hence, last week's podcast talking about fibers, where however the conversation went, someone was convinced that he had to purchase glass HD fibers. And no, <laughs> that's not that, that was the wrong fibers. So why? I mean, unless a client specifically puts you to the wall, I have a tough time believing that a client wants to hear every step in the process. And oh, by the way, please explain to me what the sealing technology is that you're using and why. 
Well, the only way I would see that being a relevant question would be from an architect concerned about sustainability. They might say, hey, what do you seal this with? Yeah, I can see that. Because I'm concerned because, you know, this is a, a university or a school or a hospital. We want to know what this is sealed with. Okay, that's a valid question. But yeah, I've sure. maybe, maybe had two or three customers in 20 years ask me what kind of sealer I use. And they were very sustainable or very um, VOC chemical conscientious. And they were concerned. Well, that I can see. But yeah, it's, it's see. not and, a but common question. that's still question. a fairly simple explanation. Exactly. No, exactly. it's not. So no. clients don't care. And it's one of those things that, you know, again, people come to classes and they say, hey, man, can I get a, a, a badge to put on my website to say I came to Concrete Design School? And I say, yeah, you can, but it doesn't do anything. Clients don't care. Clients don't care they went to Concrete Design School. Clients don't care they go to any other training. Clients only care what you make. That's what they care about, right? Right. So... If you're trying to do your sales pitch to the client, say, and by the way, I use ICT, it's a reactive sealer. You're just opening up a can of worms. They don't care. Just, you know, tell them, yeah, it's sealed with the industry-leading sealer. It won't uh, delaminate. It won't turn yellow. It's easy to repair. If down the road it needs to be rejuvenated, I can come in and rejuvenate it with, uh, without having to strip it and any of that kind of stuff. Okay, great. Sounds good. Awesome. That's all you got to say. Well, that... That and what are you doing over there? You remodeling your house? No, I'm not remodeling the house. Oh, okay. Just um, <laughs> everybody's home making snacks, right? It's snack time. It's all good. Uh, it sounds like hammer time, is what it sounds like. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, th- I would say the only thing that I would explain to a client, and I don't, I don't do this anymore myself, but I. Th- think somebody new to ICT until they got used to this as a normal feature is just the idea, which we've talked, you know, over and over till it just, you know, if we kick this dead horse is just the idea that, you know, the, the darkening, the vapor rings, you know, that that's a very natural, normal process. And that doesn't mean your countertops are sealing. And to me, that's more a, you know, that's, that's more the, the concrete professional understanding and feeling comfortable with that technology and just, and giving that explanation to a client. Other than that, no, everything's pretty much the same. Stain resistances, um, scratch resistance aware would be significantly better. There's no question about that, but the, um, the potential for that darkening. And if they weren't expecting that, then that would just be something to explain, but that could be done very early and very simple. Yeah. Again, as a natural surface. Right? Yeah. I, and I guess what I'm saying, because when somebody makes a wood table, you know, or wood furniture, you know, tell me the time that the guy, you know, who made the wood table said, oh, by the way, when you put things on this table, it could leave rings on your farmhouse table. That's never done. So, you know, why it would need to be done in this case would be more of just a heads up and, you know, setting expectations which again, we've talked about how many times over the years. Yep. So it's easier to get ahead of it than trying to play catch up. Agreed. Yeah, because then it seems like, you know, yeah. This uh, my contract says your your countertop in its lifetime. And when, I, when I say lifetime, I mean like the next fifty years. It'll stain. It'll scratch. And that's just part of it. Now, how bad will it be? Pfft. Again, my coffee table's I don't know how many years old now. Two thousand twelve or thirteen is when I made it. What's that? Eight, nine, ten years? Who knows? I can't do math. 
the fact is my kids, I was scraping paint off of it with my knife earlier today because they paint on it, like paint by numbers. <laughs> There's stickers stuck to it. There's yeah, like jewel stickers stuck yeah. all over it. I had to use a knife to like break it off. And, you know, I spray it with Windex and Lysol and whatever I have. It looks beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Not a stain on it, but has it aged? Yes. Like leather yeah. ages, but there's not a stain on it. There's not a red wine stain right. or a grease stain or, or yellow mustard or anything. And I scrape the paint off and I do this stuff and it still looks great. So will it age? Yes, but it'll age gracefully. And that's what I try to convey to clients is, you know, just expect that. Hey, I want to hit one more thing on the sustainability thing because uh, Jeremy French, sure. Jeremy French, he was somebody that used to be in this industry a while back. Jeremy French made one really good remark to me once about sustainability and concrete, specifically cement, the whole for every ton of CO2 or every ton of cement, a ton of CO2 is created. And that's, you know, what people have to stand in our box mm -hmm. and, and look down their nose at concrete and say it's not sustainable. But what Jeremy right. said was the reason we know that and the reason it's so widely shared is because concrete is the most abundant used material on earth. Hence, it's the most studied material on earth. It's under the biggest microscope of any material used. Nobody's looking at corian that way. Nobody's looking at granite that way. You know, it's only because concrete is the most abundant material used on the planet that we look at it under such scrutiny. And if any other materials mm -hmm. held to that same light, they would not fare better. They'd fare worse than concrete. But they're just kind yeah. of, they're too small to really, you know, for scientists to pay much attention to. It's like, oh, whatever. Well, and, and then they just stay out of it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Just what you said. If we yeah. if we pulled up what granite came from, I don't know. Let's just say Brazil Uber or Chile or Argentina. comes out of Brazil. Yeah. Exactly. Like so, let's all run down there and see what processes it is to mine it out of the earth, and what does that take? Okay, and then from there, what does it take to be you know shipped and put in cargo containers and so forth and so on. And the fuel used to bring all that up, and then you know, anyway, blah blah. And then it's sold Once as a you slab. Put all that in, it gets cut down. Oh, it's crazy. Progressively smaller, smaller. That's Have you ever crazy. been behind a granite shop or stone company and looked in their their dumpster? Every day is filled to the brim with offcuts because they take a huge slab and cut out a little piece and throw away the rest. What's the waste on that? With concrete, we don't have any waste. I have one handful of waste most days when I'm done casting, because we're so right. precise with batching. So we're not filling up a dumpster with stone slab offcuts. We have a handful of excess, you know? Right. So anyways. No, yeah. It's, again, that's a, that's a whole conversation that could go all kinds of different directions. Yep. Sustainability. So, <clears throat> next thing on my list here, the workshop. We just had another person sign up. We have 12 enrollees now, 12 registrations. So we have eight spots remaining. We had another person sign up. If you guys want to get in the class, yeah. June 20th to the 25th here in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, the last workshop at my studio in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, not the last workshop ever, just the last one here. Phenomenal location. You'll have a great time. Awesome town, live music, restaurants, great bars, and you're going to learn a ton. Six days of training with Dusty Baker, John Schuler, Brandon Gord, GFRC, ECC, UHPC, OPP, you know me. Uh, you know me. <laughs> Dusty Crete, yeah. fabric forming, concrete sinks, concrete countertop, ceiling, business practices, pricing, sales and marketing. You know, it's the whole enchilada. You got to come and have a good time. So go to concretedesignschool.com. You can register for the class there. Eight spots left. We're past the halfway point. 12 registrations. We just had one sign up 19 minutes ago. So there you go. Cool. Uh, also. Well, and as we've been hearing, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Anybody coming out, this is a perfect opportunity to get some hands-on with fibers. Yeah. 
We did a very big podcast last week about fibers, clearly based on the feedback, the phone calls, the emails that I've had since doing that one, there's a massive understanding and misunderstanding about fibers. So I'm going to spend a little more time at the workshops going over fibers and fiber technologies and, you know, the what, where's and why's. So this would be a good opportunity for anybody who thinks they know or don't know, come on out, man. Spend some time with us because this is what we do. Yep, that'd be a good time. Second thing was, you know, we've had this promotion going on for a while. Upgrade your concrete mix, upgrade your business, which is like make a short video, tell us why you made the switch to Kodiak Pro, how it made your business better, what you like about the mix. Anyways, and get $250 off your next pallet of Maker Mix or Rad Mix. So we've had one person do it. And we've had, I don't know, five or six people say they're doing it. They're in the process of doing it, but yeah. we haven't seen it. But we just got one in today. So somebody sent me one today. So... I'll be posting that to our social media soon, but uh, that's cool. You know, one other thing I want to hit real quick, because sure. I love, I love, I love, I love beating a dead horse. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm Which, waiting to Where did that even saying what? come from? Where was ever a horse in the street that people are just beating it for just no good reason? It. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But, um, you know, like the Romans, the Romans figured out that they could put horse blood in concrete to get it to foam, to aerate the concrete, to make it more durable. And they also figured out they could put horse hair in the concrete as early fiber reinforcement. But I always wonder, who was the first Roman to look at a horse and be like, we could put that in that. Let's see what happens. Let's just try it. Guys, anybody got a knife? Let's uh, get that horse right there. Somebody I had that I think it was thought. probably done by accident. It had to be done by accident. No, I think there's just like this masochistic, you know, serial killer that saw a horse and, and thought, let me put that in there and see what happens. But it turned out to be uh, actually beneficial to the concrete. And then, you know, countless horses had to die to aerate concrete. But I digress. Where I was going to go with this, <laughs> this segue is... Well, hang on. I, I'm gonna, I did disagree with you. So I've, I've watched a lot of things on like the Roman Colosseums, right? Yeah. Gladiators and all that kind of jazz. My thought would be if the, so those were all sand and dirt to some degree, and then they started putting clay and all these kind of things in the Colosseums one way or another, when they were running, whatever they called them, you know, the, the gladiator contests or whatever, and chariots and all that kind of stuff running through there, that dirt clay and all the things over the years would get hardened and hardened and hardened by all the blood that was spilt in there. That hmm. so to me, that's probably where the the first thought process and uh, and the roads and so forth and so on, which made them start wanting to mix um, clays and cement and fibers and et cetera, et cetera. It probably came from information that was kind of gory to begin with. Would hmm. be my thought. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, before I go into my segue, because this this whole podcast has been nothing but segues. We just go left and right, left and right, left and right. This has been the craziest one we've ever done. But I was listening to NPR today when I was taking my daughter to school. And they were talking about a new sustainable concrete. And they're talking about concrete. And they had this Indian guy saying that, you know, he studies concrete. And for every ton of cement, 0.8 tons of CO2 is created. I'm like, yeah, you know, we've all heard this a thousand times. But now they've developed AI, artificial intelligence programs, to develop concrete mix designs, so the new Meta, the new Meta, 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 whatever Facebook is calling themselves, Meta 
data center they're just built is like a million square feet. They used AI to develop the concrete mix design to make it more sustainable, and they reduced the Portland content by I want to say anywhere between five to thirty percent, depending on on where it was used, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't say how, and I know how. They're they're replacing a portion of the Portland with Poslins. Okay, that's what well, they're doing. Or something. Yeah. yeah, but they have to develop AI. I'm like, have you ever met John Schuler? Do you guys know John Schuler? Are you serious with this? How much money has MIT spent developing AI to figure out how to replace a portion of the cement with Poslins? Jesus, we got a national treasure right here, part of Kodiak Pro. Yeah, right. Talk to this guy. I don't know about that, but there's been so much investments in, I'm going to call them scrubbers over the years. So, you know, this whole CO2 thing, I don't know how long it's going to take, but, you know, they're now converting the CO2 into sustainable products and, you know, and recycling it back into the concrete production and cells and using it part of the concrete production. So, I mean, I know that's a whole different discussion, but, you know, that this, the CO2 debate um, I mean, that's a whole different debate. Well, universities, it was University of Illinois, I think is what they said, if I go off, going off memory here. But the fact that university students who have never done concrete in their life are writing AI programs to develop concrete mix designs for million square foot projects for Facebook. And I'm like, first of all, no, you don't know anything about concrete besides what you read no, in the that's book. that's crazy. You're all yeah. 18, 19, 20 years old. You've never touched it. And you're writing AI programs to develop this. Why don't you talk to people who actually do this for a living that are on this, the cutting edge, this tip of the spear, which is us, Kodiak Pro. We're those people. We, we them boys, right? Call us up. Meta, hey, call us. We're, we're easy to find. We'll, uh, we'll sort you out. We'll charge you like, what, half price from what they're charging for that, you know? Give us a call. Yeah, right. No, they don't do that. You treat it like a government contract, and I'm going to charge you $5,000 a toilet seat. Exactly. So, yeah. So there was a, that. Just but, the opposite. So where I was going with all this, I don't know I haven't got on this whole damn thing, but we had another conversation, me and you, with a client that's going to order hundreds of pallets a year, several hundred pallets a year, about pricing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's one of these things that, I just still to this day don't know how do we convey to people because they they referenced uh, another product that was more mm-hmm. expensive than us. Like the price that we gave you is a lower price than that. I don't know. How do we how do we get through to people that Kodiak Pro isn't expensive? We're actually cheaper than inferior products. And the, the product that they were pricing us against was a very basic GFRC mix. Super basic. Extremely right. basic. And we're, we're quoting a UHPC made in America with products that no other company has access to. The raw ingredients that we use, no other company in the world. doesn't matter who it is. Lafarge, Quickcrete, it doesn't matter. They can't get it. It's milled for us and us only, okay? Right. So this product, this made in America UHPC, true. we're coming in lower price than a super basic GFRC mix. But people still seem to think that we're expensive. That were, that were more expensive than other products. I just don't get it. I don't know. Well, I don't get it. So I had a similar conversation today, not necessarily that direction, uh, but cost. We were talking about cost and materials and found out this person I was talking to, I had no idea, but was quite familiar with who we are. So that was kind of a cool part of the conversation. And I, and I look forward to doing more uh, more business and stuff with them later. But part of that conversation, we got back on the whole PSI thing again. Like, and he was like, well, John, you know, I mean, the reality, who, who needs more than 12,000? I think that's all just, you know, pounding your chest. And, you know, and I'm like, well, actually, man, the reality is we don't, 
if we're just talking about something that holds a coffee cup up, and we've all heard me say this how many times, we don't really need much more than about a hundred pounds. You know? More than 20 PSI. PSI. I mean, how, how heavy is a yeah, coffee I mean, cup? We don't, yeah. You know, I mean, as I'm sitting right now talking to you, I have my water bottle sitting here and um, my wife has some decorations here for uh, 4th of July and so forth and so on. So, but I mean, so if we're talking about basic PSIs and, and my laptop, I mean, geez, what, I mean, I could measure that out. What is it? 12 inches by eight inches or something, you know, like, like, geez, yeah. What PSI to hold up my laptop? Yes. Yeah, 96 square inches. And I'm like, so yeah. What do you need? Yeah, One PSI not, is all you need. Exactly. Yeah. So which led down that whole path again. And I told him, I like, so that's not, I will agree with him. Anybody, let's say championing that as part of this direction, as what they're trying to achieve from a countertop or, you know, a vessel sink or whatever the case may be, you're, you're, you're championing the wrong thing. In Mm -hmm. my opinion, you're just, that's not something to step on a soapbox about because yeah, you don't need it. That's not the reason. I'm going to go back to the other side of sustainability. The reason why you end up on this end, and at least I have over the years, as I continue to push these materials to be a more sustainable material, meaning handle wear, handle use, handle abuse, you know, without this soul protection, you know, or soul expectation based on whatever filmy product we finally put on at the end. So ultimately, when we want that material to be more durable, well, this just happens to be where you end up. Yeah. You end up in these incredibly high PSI numbers. And I take calls every day from people that are shocked in, in a good way that how strong, if they're trying to do a muriatic acid wash to their concrete and before they could get away with these 20 to ones and oh it would etch and this and now they're like hey john i sometimes i'm using you know one to one muriatic acid because it just doesn't really phase it yeah and i'm thinking yeah yeah and that's that's why we're going this direction to have surfaces that are incredibly durable from a material that it is not incredibly durable from hey how do i find a a better topical plastic to put on it because I want that plastic to last longer. And here I'm talking about sealer, but yeah. So anyway, that even for that was an eye opening conversation for him to have with me. The, the strengths we're hitting to be a UHPC is a result of density. And the reason that our mix is what it is, is to achieve the densities we need for durability. And so, yeah, right. the strength is a byproduct of the density of the material. That's all it is. So it's a, completely added benefit to secondary to the reasoning behind the development of Kodiak Pro Maker Mix because our mix is developed based around density of the material. Yeah. And, and people question like today I hear, heard from, uh, I'll get him a shout out, Peter Summers, you know, who, who's so pumped that he's not slurring everything anymore. And he's like, John, I, I just don't know. Like, you know, maybe someday you explain to me like, God, how, how does all the air come out of it? And I'm like, well, actually, man, it's a pretty simple explanation. When you get a material this dense that wants to pull on itself, it wants to, by nature of what it is, push those voids out. And in this case, what we're calling voids is the air. Mm-hmm. So the air boils out. I literally had somebody, a, a very educated somebody by this, by the way, having a great conversation with me. And 
I'm going to say sarcastically, he kind of threw him like, well, you know, anybody, I guess you could just put defomer in it. And I'm like, Oh no, man, no, I don't have in, in this, in this mix, there's very little because it's not necessary. And he got like, what are you talking about, John? No, again, it's, this isn't about how do you put the most chemicals into it? <laughs> this is about how do you bring these materials symbiotically into, in a way that force themselves to fall each other, align in a way that all the excess leaves the system. Yep. That's what you do. Not pumping it full of chemicals. I mean, sure that, I guess that would be a way someone could achieve it, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's so many ad the VMAs. Nope, no VMAs on board. <laughs> in fact, we strongly caution against using VMAs yeah. as we talked about. They're counterproductive the to this mix. Completely counterproductive. Yeah. Well, um, to go back to and so forth. So. To go back to the the little comment I made about cost with this this customer we're currently um, talking to is that was the other thing was labor savings. And again, we've we've covered this time and time again. But do you many pieces I've slurried since I've been using Maker Mix? And I've cast Maker Mix. 100 plus times now, 100, 100 different projects. Do you know how many times I've slurred, John? Once. Zero. <laughs> I have not even yeah. mixed the slurry recipe. I had a guy hit me up today asking about slurry. I said, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. I have not even mixed the recipe that John developed using Rad Mix because I haven't had a need to slurry. And that's the God honest truth. I have not slurried one piece made with Maker Mix. Not one. Yeah. Since I've made made the switch over from Buddy Rhodes and other products I used to use, not one. And the air pockets, you know, I talked about on last week's podcast, but I'm casting some Skoka chairs. They're coming out nearly flawless. Where, you know, again, when you come to the class, you'll yeah, see. So you're not even going to touch them. Yeah. Nothing. It becomes part of the. Yeah. But the backs, yeah. uh, there's one out on my patio here at my studio, a black Muskoka chair made with Buddy Rhodes GFRC mix. And it has. I kid you not, if I counted them, a thousand air pockets on the back, if not more. If I got down to like mm -hmm. the, the smaller ones, it's probably like 5,000, right? The, the chairs I just cast this week, each one has maybe one, and it's the size of like a BB, one, one, not 5,000, one. It's just, it's mind boggling to me, mind boggling. But, you know, all we can do is tell people about it and be like, oh, you guys are just salesmen, you're just saying that. Dude, I'm telling you. Yeah. It's a different animal in the world. It's the best concrete. You want to make the best concrete? You got to use the best concrete. That's the God honest truth. No, it's totally, it's, it's a different time. So now slurry and anybody using the slurry recipe, they're using as part of their aesthetics rather than a necessity all the time. Yeah, like dusty. Because of pinholes. Dusty. Yeah, it's completely, completely different use. Exactly. Agreed. Dusty Baker. And that's, that's what I told this gentleman that texted me earlier today about slurry. Is I said, listen, I've never mixed slurry once in my life. John developed that recipe using Rad Mix. The only reason you should ever need to use that is if you're intentionally doing a rough surface like Dusty Crete that you intend to go back and slurry. Because Dusty will do intentionally really right. textured areas of his pieces that he intends to slurry because it's part of the aesthetic. But that's, Part of the, the looks, yeah. that's the only time you should ever need slurry with, with this mix because if you're doing it right, it's coming out perfect, perfect. But that has to do with following directions, using the right amount of ice, right amount of TBP, mixing properly, not slaking five times. You know, I mean, there's you have to follow the directions, but if you follow the directions as they're written, you will have phenomenal results every time. That slurry, be aware, gets 
you got about mm, 30, maybe 40 minutes of working time and it hardens extremely hard. So be aware, anybody listening, don't coat your stuff in big thick slurry like days past thinking, Hey, we're going to come back later and grind off all this extra slurry. I'm not saying you can't, but understand that the, the formulas made were not meant to be used that way. So you can literally slurry, flatten things out and then move on to the next part of your process because it does get, it gets very, very hard. And that's the feedback I get often from people like, when they're, you know, trying to use it in other ways that they used to use their conventional slurry recipe. And they're like, holy crap, man, this stuff gets stupid hard. And yeah, because I don't want to wait, you know, two days for slurry to harden. <laughs> so that's another offshoot of just the Kodiak slurry recipe using the rad mix. Hey, guess where I'm going tomorrow? You going back to Kansas? Wichita, Wichita. Guess what the airport code? I already yeah. told you. You already know, but I'm going to tell this to the people listening. The airport code for Wichita International Airport is ICT. ICT. Yeah, something cool, dude. Dude. That's where they got it. You know that, right? That's that's where <laughs> that airport got it. <laughs> oh, so that's pretty crazy. The airport code for Wichita is ICT. If we end up which I don't know if I am or not. I'm looking at properties, but if I end up buying property there and people fly in for workshops and they fly into ICT, are you serious? Yeah. Oh my right. God. It's like the stars have aligned. And didn't you say there was some place there that's uh, a suburb or something? One of the houses that we found that I'm meeting with a realtor to look at is on Kodiak Road. I'm like, what? Yep. Dude, like Jesus is like laying out breadcrumbs, leading me straight to Wichita right now, dude. ICT <laughs> yeah. Airport, fly into Kodiak. ICT, yeah, live right on Kodiak. Yeah, there you go. It's insane. But Wichita is a really cool town. We have a couple guys that are firefighters that have been to our class numerous times. They have a concrete company as well, and they live in Wichita. And one of them is who said, "Hey, check out Wichita." And I'm like, "Really? I never in a million years would think Wichita. Like that's not on my radar." And I drove out there last weekend just to see it, just to see if it, it, should I meet with a realtor and drive around? I'm just going to go out there and take a look. Rad town, super rad town. Totally shocked. Yeah, it was how, very pretty. Yeah, I FaceTimed you yeah. to show you because you didn't believe me. You're like, what? Yep. Wichita, Kansas. No. I'm like, let me FaceTime like, you. No, come on, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So anyway, so I'm going back out tomorrow to take a look at the properties with the realtor. But you never know. It's on the list. It's on the list of possibilities. So, well, until next All right, week. Well, once again. Good talking to you, Brian. We'll talk to you later. Adios. Adios.